Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Bring, bring it Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hello, my name is Thomas Nygren. I write about Liverpool for a Swedish website called uh, lsdsv.se. Hi, I'm Steve McGookin. I'm in Belfast, and I'm the former chairman of New York Spurs at NY Spurs. And uh, I also write about non-football uh, matters at northernslant.com. Hi, I'm Russ Goldman. I am the host of Cottage Talk, a podcast all about Fulham. And you can actually follow me on Twitter, Russ underscore Goldman, or at the Twitter account for the show, Cottage Talk. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. Uh, a bit of a somber note to start the show. We don't want to speculate on anything that's happened, but there was a helicopter crash outside of Lester's ground. It was the owner's helicopter. Um, but again, we don't want to add to speculation, but thoughts and, and everything out to them. Uh, and hopefully more people are okay than we think. Uh, but again, we don't really have enough information at this time to really discuss it. Um, but just hoping that it's not as bad as, as it appears at first glance and is being reported currently. All right, from there, we're going to move into uh, actual football things, uh, which seem much less important comparatively. But um, there was a lot of talk when Ross Barkley moved to Chelsea that he had made the wrong move. Obviously, uh, Tottenham are one of the clubs that were in for him, but he opted for the early move to Chelsea. He seemed to get buried over the summer with all of Chelsea's midfield signings. Now has three goals and three assists in the last three matches. Has this run of form proven that Ross Barkley made the right move uh, when he did go to Chelsea? Well, uh, I think this is a very interesting one because uh, I had almost forgotten that he played for Chelsea before the start of this season. Uh, I think that he has proven that even if you choose unwisely, you can turn things around if you work hard for it. Uh, it surprised me that, cho- that he chose to sign for Chelsea. And even though he's been a bit uh, unlucky with injuries and so, he has been, it has been uh, very hard for him to make his mark at Chelsea even when he was fit. Uh, but under the new manager, he has showed that he has uh, great qualities. And suddenly, he is, in, he is an uh, important part of their team. He scores goals, and compared to the few minutes he got last season, he looks quite comfortable on the pitch. I think he just played in about two games or so under, under Antonio Conte. And this season, he has played in almost every game. Uh, from the start, I thought it was a strange decision to choose Chelsea in January. I was quite sure that he would go somewhere where he was uh, guaranteed game time from the start, especially when you think about that it was a World Cup during the summer. And the move to Spurs would have been more logical to me, since he was the kind of player they needed, and uh, they don't have the same squad size as Chelsea do. Uh, From the start, I thought that this would be just another Danny Drinkwater signing who signs for Chelsea and then uh, disappears. But uh, things have turned out right for him since Sarri arrived, and... uh, Maybe if Conte would have stayed, I think this would have been much harder. But uh, 
if you look at it today, it's hard to say that he made the wrong choice in the end. Uh, I think he's very comfortable at Chelsea now. Yeah, I, I, I agree, Thomas. I, uh, I always liked him as a player, actually. Um, uh, and uh, it, when, when we were linked with him, I was, I was very positive about that, uh, that potential move. I thought he would provide a good uh, backup in the initial stages for Delhi. And, uh, and actually, in a, in a strange way, the fact that he chose Chelsea, um, it, it has echoes a little bit of um, Scott Parker. Uh, moving from Charlton to Chelsea at that stage uh, of his career, similar sort of, uh, you know, did did we really think at the time that that was the right move for him? But you know, things are things seem to be coming good for Barkley, who you know is a fundamentally good player. I mean, that, as you say, Kev, he's now scored in uh, three consecutive Premier League games. First uh, Englishman to do that since Frank Lampard, uh, curiously. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and the important thing is that he seems now to have uh, Sari's confidence, and that's that's the important thing. I think he's grown into that position, uh, bringing out the best in players around him. And you know, I always thought he was always thought he was a good player, and uh, I was I was disappointed when we missed out on him. But uh, I'm glad that he's coming good. You guys are both making some very good points, and uh, I'm glad that you guys are talking about Sari because I think that is the. Uh, reason why things are working well for Ross Barkley. And when you make a move, I don't know how much players factor in fit. And I'm glad that you guys are talking about Spurs because I think that would have been a good fit for Ross Barkley. So for whatever reason, he decided to go to Chelsea and it takes the right fit and the right manager to make it work. Now he has that. Maybe he would have had that earlier with Pochettino and Spurs. Only he knows why he decided on Chelsea. But when I look at players making a move, and I'm glad you guys talk about drink water, it's got to be the right situation, not just to be a squad player, especially someone like Barkley. He wants to play each and every week. Well, now he's getting the opportunity. But at the time, I don't know if that was the right move. So I understand where you guys are talking about. Glad it's finally working out for him. But as I look at my own team, and I know that there are going to be players that are leaving. There's a name that's linked to pretty much every team in the world. And when he does leave, I hope he finds the right fit for him to play each and every week. We're talking about Ryan Sessegnon. And I look at someone like Ross Barkley as an example. It has to be the right fit. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting point, Russ, because it kind of opens up the possibility that it was still the wrong move at the time, but has worked out right. anyway um, with yes. the addition of Sorry. And and uh, again, speaking about the manager, it's it's almost surprising that none of us thought that Ross Barkley would be a very good fit in Sorry's system. Uh, I think the reason why a lot of people didn't was just the number of bodies that were there in midfield. Um, because I, I think Bakioko left either on deadline day or just before it. Uh, or wait, it may have been after it, I think. I left Because he, he, he left in the international window into uh, when he went to Italy. Um, so it, looking back in hindsight, it seems like we all should have seen this coming. But um, it largely did not. But it, it, again, it, it does look like the right move now. But again, Russ, really like your point. Because it kind of didn't seem it at the time. Um, and as you say, we we don't know what the motivations were. At the time, it seemed like he just wanted to make sure he increased his wage packet while he was coming back from an injury um, to like guarantee the money then instead of moving on the free in the summer, which had been bandied about. Uh, and I certainly was very critical of both him and the move. But uh, in, in hindsight, it does look like it is working out fine for him at England. And it seems like a return to the England squad is certainly in his imminent future. Um, Russ, we're actually going to come right back to you. Um, we discussed last week 
uh, Fulham's defensive issues, and we can touch on that when we get into uh, specific questions. But on the whole, Fulham are not performing as I think a lot of people outside the club expected them to. Uh, have you been surprised by the performances thus far? And do you think things can turn around uh, under Jukanovic? Well, number one, I think that things can turn around under Jokanovic. And the reason why I feel this way is uh, history. Two seasons in the championship under Jokanovic. Basically, it was his third. The first one, he was coming in during a relegation battle. And the other two were really uh, battles just to try to get into the top six and try to get promoted in the championship. Both of those teams started slow. They both did because he is uh, installing his uh, possession-based system, and it takes time for it to integrate into all the players because they're going to be additions. I saw that in these first two full seasons under Jokanovic in the championship. Now, Fulham decide they want upgrades at basically every position. And we know this from history. You know, you just look at Everton last season and many teams before that. It takes time to integrate all these players into a brand new system to play the way you want them to play. And oh, by the way, you are joining the biggest and best league in the world and you're learning the Premier League. So there are all these factors going in. And for me, when I look at Jukanovic, and I know people are, want to pull the plug on him outside of the club, and there are fans that want to do it as well. But history tells me that he needs time to figure things out and figure his best team. He does not have it right now. He's trying to integrate so many players. And just like last season, we dealt with a very bad injury at the beginning of the season with Tom Kearney. And he just returned in the second half of the game against Bournemouth. And uh, actually, if he started the game, I think the situation could have been different. Fulham really rely a great deal on Tom Kearney in central midfield. And him being integrated back into the team, some defenders... Coming back to fitness, we just had Fosu Mensa come back and Joe Bryan's still injured. All these injuries and trying to find his team, especially the situation with the back four and the goalkeeper, has really stalled Fulham's development. But what gives me hope, guys, and this is as someone that watches each and every match, I've seen glimpses of the team that I think you'll eventually see in the second half of the season. I'm going to use the Spurs match as the example. For about 20 to 25 minutes, I saw a team that, again, gave me hope for the future. Mm -hmm. Against Burnley, I saw a team that dominated Burnley. Even against Watford, we had a wonderful second half against Watford. So I see the signs. And I also know that Fulham have the goals in with, uh, with Mitrovic. They have goal scores. So that's why I am hopeful that once the defense can catch up to what's going on moving forward, that Fulham will be mid-table. I know it doesn't look like that, and everyone is pointing the fingers of what's wrong, and I think it really is a combination of several things, guys. It's a combination of a brand-new team, a coach brand-new to the Premier League, injuries, and it just is all coming together. It's a perfect storm for where they are right now, which is in the relegation zone. They deserve to be there. They haven't played well enough. And um, that's where we are right now. But I know they have the players to turn around. And I believe in Jokanovic and his system. He needs to figure out how to integrate his system and play certain ways against certain opponents. He's still trying to figure it out. He's tinkering each and every week. 
He did it again against Bournemouth. I think he got it wrong. He's trying to find a solution, and that's why I back the manager here. Yeah, what do you think, Thomas? Well, uh, it's hard to say because I've only watched uh, Fulham, I think, uh, twice this season. So, um, But from what I've seen, um, if you keep on conceding the easy goals like they've done uh, so far, something uh, needs to change. Maybe Jokanovic can turn things around if he gets the time, but uh, maybe uh, I don't know if the board dares to give him the time. And They're going to give him the time, Thomas. Yeah, they will? Yes, because, uh, the, again, the... Uh, Owner of uh, Fulham just came out. I believe it was even it was either today or yesterday, backing the manager once again. He again they went through a long process to find Jokanovic, and they want to play a certain style. And this also is part of the conundrum. They don't want a Sam Allardyce. They don't want a fixer. This is how they want Fulham to play. And I look at a team. You know, again, I, I think a great example of what's going on with Fulham is we can go back a few years ago and look at Eddie Howe and Bournemouth. And their first season, they were 16th in the league. And Eddie Howe had to learn how to adjust his system. And Jokanovic needs to do the same thing. Yeah, because um, it's really interesting to hear. Because if you look at what uh, like Crystal Palace did uh, the other season when they tried to have uh, DeBoer as a manager and gave him three or four games before they sacked him. So it will be interesting to see if uh, Fulham does, if they do something else and trust their manager and give him time to change then it would, I think it would be good for the league if they give the manager a chance and not just keep on sacking the new managers and and sign a, a manager like Tomas, Allardyce. that's why it would be a mistake. And that's why, you know, and again, there are, there are Fulham fans that, just like many fans of football, want a change right now. They want someone to fix it. And I understand that. But the way I look at it, watching this team and watching the development of Fulham Football Club that got to the bottom of the championship and got built all the way up. Jokanovic was a huge part of that. And, you know, it's funny because I'm glad that you brought up Crystal Palace. They made the switch right away last season and it worked for them. But the way that the cons work is just different than, I want to say, the majority of owners. I think they will give them time, you know, like Bournemouth gave Eddie Howe, like Burnley gave Sean Dyche. That's my hope. I don't see them pulling the trigger to get him out of there. Because I think then you are starting over once again. They don't want to start over again. Well, Shahid can give them a vote of confidence today. Uh, and that's, you know, you have to take them on at his word. And I, I agree with you. I think they will give him time. And I think they realize what he accomplished over the last uh, season and a bit. Um, but, you know, you're, you're shipping too many. So that's basically what it comes down to. And you know that. Totally agree. Sorry? Totally agree with you. It's, it's a problem. It's a huge yeah. problem. I totally agree with you. And that's up to the players that are on the pitch to do their job and Jokanovic to figure out a way to stop shipping the goals. I completely agree with you. But the problem that they're running into right now is that they have a style and now they're going to the other side of it. They're trying to stop shipping goals and now they're having problems scoring goals. So he's having this issue trying to find the balance, if that makes any sense. Well, no, I agree with you. And I, I was at uh, the the game at Wembley when we beat you 3-1. Yeah. And, and to be honest, you know, when Mitrovic got that equalizer just after halftime, that, that game could have gone either way. Yeah. But but to be fair, you know, as the game went on, our sort of, you know, pressure told. Yeah. Um, but I I think it's it's really, you're in a situation where all you need is a run of two or three games. That's right. Two or three wins will put you back uh, on course. And, and the good thing about, 
and I think the way in which the premiership is evolving at the moment is there are more than enough poor teams who are down <laughs> in the in the in the lower reaches of the of the league. Sure. All they, all they need is a run of sort of three wins, and that lifts them right out, and that does wonders for confidence. So. You know, I, I, I get where you're coming from. I understand why there's a lot of agitation for people to actually make the change now. But but I hope they don't. And I hope they give it another another few games to see, uh, you know, how you can how you can deal with uh, the, the, the crisis. And well, it is a crisis. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see uh, which which direction they seem, seem to go. Of course, as you guys mentioned, uh, Shahid Khan does give him the vote of confidence, which at times is referred to as the dreaded vote of confidence because of if a decision is made after that, then it looks like it was just a mistruth. But um, I, I, th- I do think he should probably stay. He knows the squad better than anybody else does at this point. And whenever you're in a situation like this, especially early in the season, the question becomes, who else would you bring in? And as you were mentioning, uh, they don't want somebody like Allardyce to come no. in and just kind of keep things afloat. So, um, yeah, I, I think, I think unfortunately, this team just needs a lot of time. I, I mean, we mentioned it in like the first couple weeks of the season, I think it was, Russ. Or just like yeah. with the amount of players that came in, it was just going to take time. And I think we're seeing the detrimental side of that now. But they were also yes, very talented players. So over time, uh, you'd think that naturally it would just course correct. Right, Kevin. And another factor, and I've given you guys a ton of factors of why they are where they are, is a trust factor. This is another one because he had all these players that were in the championship that helped them get to where they are. He trusts these players. Many of them are not good enough for the Premier League. Okay, it hurts me to say that because so many of them I'm so fond of, including one American uh, center back that I just don't think is good enough for this league, and that's Tim Ream. And it hurts me to say that, just not fast enough. And then there are a few central midfielders that are just not good enough for this league, but he trusts these players. And that's the problem when we have all these new players. He wants also players that he can trust. So to make that whole adjustment to a brand-new team – And to be able to walk away from players that you know and that you trust and and you have to trust new players, it's just there's just so much going on with Fulham right now. That's why, like you said, Kevin, they need time to figure it out. And I have faith that the cons will give them time. All right. Well, we'll certainly keep our eyes on that one. Uh, Now we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with club specific questions for each of our guests. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
All right, and we are back. Uh, we'll start off with you, Thomas, and talk about Liverpool. We're going to recycle a topic that we were supposed to talk about last week and then we weren't able to because of scheduling stuff, even though it applies less right now, um, which was that it seemed like thus far this season, the kind of like flair-based uh, attractive style of play Liverpool put on display last year, just slaughtering uh, pretty much everyone in the lower half of the table, um, has seemed to go to the wayside in favor of kind of a more pragmatic uh, approach, which has led to picking up many, many points as we currently record top of the table. Um, obviously, we see a little bit more of that goal scoring uh, at the weekend here as you as you scored four against Cardiff. But uh, curious to get your take on on maybe now this flexibility between the two styles under Jurgen Klopp. Yeah, it's been a big change from last season. And I think that we played in the same way yesterday as well. But uh, in the end, when Cardiff tried to push for the equalizer, we could score two goals quite easy without... Uh, making so much effort in the attacks. Uh, we play more of a 4-2-3-1 now than, than a 4-3-3 that we played last season. And Salah is more of a lone striker with Firmino behind him in a deeper role. Uh, this has made our team way more solid. And it has also benefited Fabinho, who has finally been playing for us. And he played very well against, uh, um, against uh, Red Star. And this um, Wednesday, and it was great yesterday against Cardiff as well, next to Vinaldum. Uh, this setup makes it a bit easier to use players like Shakiri in the midfield. When we played uh, with three in the middle, they needed to cover a lot of space, and that is not what, what uh, Shakiri does best. I think we will see more of this style, maybe for the most part of this season. Maybe it's not as entertaining as last season. But uh, it's way more effective. And I guess it makes it a lot easier for the defenders who doesn't need to stop players coming at them in full speed as often as last season. Uh, we showed yesterday that we still can create chances playing this way. And I think it will be even better with time. I'm not quite sure if I want to see Firmino in the deep role. I'd prefer to have him up front with the Salah and Mani on the wings. But uh, he did good yesterday. And maybe he will uh, play even better when he's uh, starting to get more comfortable in his new role. Uh, when we attack, it's still more of a 4-3-3. But the biggest difference that I have seen so far is the way we defend and the way we press the opponents. We don't try to win the ball high up in the pitch as often as we did last season. And uh, even though that was very effective when it worked, um, I think this is better in the long run. We are uh, way more solid when the opponents try to attack us. And that is a very big change because our midfield works much better with the defenders than the last season. Uh, the last season, it felt more like the attackers and the midfielders worked together as the first defensive unit and then left it to the defenders when that didn't work. And now we work together as a team and the defenders get some help from the midfield. And that is a great sign for the, for the, for the future. Yeah, moving from uh, kind of the front of the pitch to the back, with the defense, we've seen some interesting uh, usages. I think we've already talked about uh, Lovren and Gomez when you've been on in the past. Um, this week, you see Robertson dropped for uh, Moreno, who uh, then is kind of responsible for that last goal. Um, and then we also see this kind of switching again with this time Trent Alexander-Arnold being brought in. Do you think that there's a favored back four at Liverpool right now? Or is he kind of like how Poch handles Tottenham, just kind of rotating through all the players to kind of wear all of that tread over equal legs? Well, I think that he's uh, getting prepared for the for December and January when we play a lot of games. We need to have Alberto Moreno ready to play, and uh, you could see yesterday that he wasn't uh, well. He, he wasn't there yet, and uh, I'm not sure that he will be in in December. But uh, 
we need to use more players than just the preferred back four. Uh, I have no problem that he uses uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold and Jorg Gomes to the right and uses Dejan Lovren in the middle together with Van Dijk. But um, on the left side with um, Mariano and Robertson, this, the huge difference between them. And uh, you could see yesterday that our attacks on the left side wasn't the same, didn't have the same quality as they do when Robertson is uh, playing. So that's my worry you know, for the tight schedule in uh, like around Christmas. But maybe we'll see... James Miller back at that position that he had uh, a few seasons ago because with uh, Fabinho playing well in the midfield, uh, Vinaldum playing very well, we don't uh, we don't need James Miller to play every game in the midfield. So we can use him at the left back instead. And I would I would prefer him to Alberto Moreno when the when we need to win the games. Yeah, that versatility should definitely help you. And again, you're you're sat first right now, so probably not too much to complain about the usage of players. <laughs> no, I'm uh, happy. I'm happy even with Mariano. <laughs> yeah, you lose the clean sheet, but you still win the yeah. uh, battle there. Um, all right, uh, coming to you now, Steve, to talk about Tottenham. It has not been a fun week, I say, as a uh, person alleging to be impartial. Um, the Champions League match against PSV seems to well start slow then seems to have recovered then Hugo Lloris comes out makes another high profile error they get the late goal uh where Tottenham players were marking each other instead of De Jong uh are you concerned about Tottenham's Champions League performances in terms of how it could translate into the other ones because it does seem like uh barring a win against Barcelona and Inter that Tottenham's Champions League run is done I'll tell you what I'm concerned about, Kevin, and I mean this in all sincerity. I'm concerned about us finishing third and having to go into the Europa League. I would rather finish at the bottom of the group now because it was so disappointing. The way in which we, and again, it's typical Spurs, just the inability to manage a game from a position of strength. That PSV game, it had echoes of not just the Inter game that we managed to screw up earlier in the year, but also... Last year's Juventus game, and you and I have talked about this in the past, this mm-hmm. idea that even when Juve came back and scored that goal, we still couldn't manage the last 20, 25 minutes of that game from a position of strength. And there's something about the Champions League, I think, that, that it, it, we're like deer caught in the headlights all too often. And that was a, it was a disappointing game. But then this is the typical schizophrenic nature of Spurs. It's like, um, you know, it's our best start to the, to the Premier, in the Premier League era. And we're playing really badly. We, I, I'll tell you, Kev, I'm, I'm getting upset about this. I'm sorry. But, but so far this season, we've only played once that I, can, that I can put hand on heart and say we've only played once in a game this season that was remotely reminiscent of how we were playing last season. And that was when we went to Old Trafford. And, and, and it's a measure of just how fragile we are at the moment that if we were to replay that fixture right now, I'm not sure we would we would win it. We uh, uh, certainly we wouldn't win it in, in the, the convinced, way we did. Yeah, no, in the convincing manner that we did. So it's again, you know, you, we can't really complain because we we got the best out of. Obviously, we're struggling with injuries. Delhi's been out. Uh, Ericsson had an injury earlier in the season. Jan has had injury problems, and we're we're worrying as we constantly do about you know the right position for players like Dyer and and how we use the squad, but. It's it's this schizophrenia, Kev, that really just overwhelms you sometimes. It's like when it when we let a team get back into a game against us, 
most people now expect us to actually throw away a point or or even the three points and this is this is a very very disappointing uh situation even the games that we're winning you know the the Cardiff game the uh, Brighton game even the games we're winning we're not doing it convincingly and so you know something the, the, the mentality has to change and i think in a way that's why I would be very, very happy for us to, to just skip the Europa League this year and uh, and just concentrate on on domestic competition because <clears throat> something has something has messed with the team's psyche with their heads mm. in in, uh, in the Champions League and we can't seem to believe it's maybe it's a self belief thing maybe it's we don't think we're as good as the teams that we're playing against well you look at our players we you know we are um, mm. so. You know, I mean, Harry could have won the PSV game at the, you know, in the last five yeah. minutes, even or the the two-two. It's just little yeah. things that that go against us that that have our. It's like a snowball effect on your confidence. You mm-hmm. know. Yeah, it's it's certainly a concerning trend. There there is something that may be more uh, correlation than causation, but it's worth noting that the failed Champions League campaign a few years back was because Delhi missed the first three matches because of the suspension from the previous year. Last year, Delhi was there for all of it, and Tottenham topped a group with Real Madrid and yeah. Dortmund in it. And then this year, he missed the first three matches because of injury again. I'm not yeah, saying well, it's I, because of that, but both I happened. Don't know. I, don't, I don't like to put too much on the shoulders of one player, uh, because if you look at the, the way the team is organized, we have players who can who can play. If they all play to their potential at any in any game, in any position, uh, we're unbeatable. We're basically, uh, and I continue to believe that, and I continue to say that, but we just haven't been this season. There have been too many players who've been off color, uh, who haven't really clicked at the time when they're supposed to. I mean, Harry's obviously, mm-hmm. you know, an issue in and of himself. And and uh, uh, are, are we going to be able to replace the goals that he that he scored last season? I don't know with the existing with the existing staff, but. Uh, it, it is a self-belief thing. It's a confidence thing. And uh, right at the moment, we don't have it. And, you know, I'm sure we'll come on to talk about uh, tomorrow night's game as well. But, uh, you know, that's <laughs> it doesn't exactly fill you with great confidence. <laughs> yeah, not exactly a time when you want to be playing Manchester City. Um, the other big news this week is the double announcement that the stadium will not be ready until 2019, which was reported over two months ago with the club greatly refuting it. Um, and then also a 15-year contract extension with uh, Nike as a sponsor, which could long-term end up being part of a stadium sponsor. Of course, nobody wants to put their name on an unfinished building to date. Um, what did you make of that kind of double news drop in the midweek? I think the Nike news is very welcome, and I'm very happy about that. Uh, the stadium stuff, I mean, nothing really is going to surprise anybody if they come out and tell you uh, the reasons why uh, we're we're in this in the trouble that we are over it. Um, all big construction pro- projects have problems as they develop, and you, there are too many moving parts for one person or one to to adequately control. Uh, it's disappointing, but are we really that surprised by it? That is, that is actually been my contention the whole time. Is that I think the biggest issue was that they acted as though there would never be any problems, and then were shocked when there were. A- along with the claim that they had no idea that the stadium would be delayed because of safety issues, but the pitch didn't get laid until mid October anyway. It, it yeah. just it I I think that the lack of transparency has been pretty damaging between the club and the fan base. 
Yeah, and, and you and I have talked about this in the past, and we had sort of said even in the days, you know, before the season started, you know, there's going to be delays, but the drop-dead date has to be that first NFL game that they were scheduled to host. Mm, which has now been missed. Exactly, exactly. So you sort of knew that when things started to get pushed back further and further that uh, um, that, that, that was there was something sort of more... Uh, serious going on underlying everything. So uh, nothing nothing surprises me anymore about it, Kevin. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. All right, uh, Russ, we'll come back to you now to talk more about Fulham. We mentioned it a little sure. bit in the intro. The defense we mentioned last week was on a historically worst pace in the Premier League, and we were discussing whether we thought it was more of a coaching issue, more of a personnel issue or if maybe they're not getting the protection they need from in front of them or maybe the saves that they need behind them where do you think the main issue is with your defensive struggles thus far all of them if i'm being completely honest it's everything but if i'm looking at it it is a combination of all three first of all he has not found his back four yet and part of that has to do with injuries mensa finally returned and uh joe bryan hopefully will be returning sooner than later and that will help out a great deal and then he has to make a decision on which two center backs he's going to go with because uh, they spent a lot of money on bringing in Alfie Mawson and he's been injured and he started off when he came to us injured so that's been a problem so getting him back healthy I think will, will be a factor and I hope that he's one of the two honestly I thought that Callum Chambers would be the other one and not Tim Ream. But if you saw Callum Chambers play against Cardiff City, you'd understand why that might not happen right now. It might be one of the worst uh, defensive performances I've seen of any mm-hmm. Fulham player since I've been watching Fulham. That's how bad Callum Chambers was. But part of the problem was Jokanovic put him at right back, and that was a major mistake instead of putting him at, at center back. that just It just didn't work. He ended up having to switch out and put Dennis Adoy there. And that's also another issue. He's trusting the championship players to get him through some of these tough spells, and he shouldn't be starting Dennis Adoy. So it's finding his back four starts there, and then he just recently changed goalkeepers again. He went with Marcus Batnelli uh, for the middle part of the beginning of the season, started with Fabri. Now he's gone to Rico. So all this chopping and changing has, has been a problem. And then, of course, it's the protection as well. He he has gone with Kevin McDonald as, I guess you could say, our defensive midfielder. He's just not fast enough to protect that back four. So it, it's just been a perfect storm of issues. And every mistake that they make, they suffer a goal, basically. So they are trying to learn how they can play. And it's these silly errors from the defense. If you look at the goals that they give up, the majority of them are from Fulham errors. They're from mistakes. So it's not like, you know, and again, the, some of the exceptions are, are the goals that Tottenham scored against them. The majority of the goals are self-inflicted wounds. And we've been talking about on Cottage Talk that they had a defensive style coach that they let go this summer, Stuart Gray, that helped them through the championship. And they brought in Scott Parker, who I actually really like. I'm glad that Scott Parker is part of the fold, coming from Tottenham's youth teams, coaching there. But the problem is he's never coached in the Premier League, and he's not really known as a defensive specialist. They need a defensive specialist that can help them figure out their issues within Jokovic's system. 
So it really has been a perfect storm. It's everything. It, it, there is no simple answer to this. But the problem right now is that Jokanovic is trying to go back to basics and trying to focus so much time and effort on the defense. Now, going forward, has suffered. And that's the problem. Now, too much focus has been putting on the defense. And I think he's now listening to too many voices. He's, you know, and again, you guys probably know, know this saying, if you listen to the fans, someday you're going to be one. I think he's starting to do that along with the media. He's heard all the criticism, and he's trying to fix it the best that he can. But I think he's actually going against what brought him to the Premier League, and that's his style. Instead of trying to figure out how to get the balance right, it's almost like he's gone to the other side. And that's why we look so poor against Bournemouth. He was more concerned about stopping Bournemouth than trying to score goals and try to get us to put our style on Bournemouth. That's what was shocking to me. That was a match that we did not play our style. It was the first time in the Premier League that we did not try to force our style on someone else. Whether it worked or not, we were reacting to Bournemouth. And we lost at home, and it was embarrassing. Yeah, uh, on a more uplifting note, um, Ryan Sessegnon, not this week, but the week prior, got his first Premier League goal of yes. the season. Um, I, I did not particularly expect him to just set the Premier League alight the second he took the step up. He's still a very young player and a very slight player. Um, yep. What have you made of his performances in the Premier League thus far this season? Well, I'm glad that you brought up being a slight player because he's actually put it on weight since he came into the uh, Premier League from last season. He is more built up, so he's actually dedicated himself to become a more complete fit player that can play in the Premier League. So that's good for him moving forward. And he's not going to set the world on fire because I think people don't understand the type of player that Sessegnon is. They think that he can dominate a game. That is not going to be Ryan Sessegnon. Ryan Sessegnon is going to be a player that has incredible instincts around the box and in the box. He is going to be a goal scorer. He will be there, right place at the right time, and he can finish, as you saw the goal in the uh, in the game against Cardiff City, getting his uh, first goal. He is dangerous, but you might not notice him for a good 50 to 60 minutes, and then he strikes. And, of course, we've had this other situation we're trying to find the best position for him so there's so much going on with session that also talks about what's going on with Fulham because right now he's been going back and forth from playing up front Kevin to playing as a left back we went three at the back and he was a wing back and honestly that might be the best position moving forward for Ryan Sessegnon is a wing back because I think that marries the two for him and I think that's also been Part of the issue with his development, why people are, are looking at him, is like, well, what's going on with Ryan Session? And I'm telling you, he is improving as a player to become a complete player. He's never going to be just a, a pure goal scorer. He is going to be a finisher, and it's also go, going to be the type of player that can play on any team. But you're not going to be pointing and saying he's going to be Messi, he's going to be Ronaldo. He won't be that player. But he could be a player that could be integral to any team in the world. That's the way I look at Ryan Sessegnon. It's interesting hearing you saying he, his best position may be left wing back. After last year on, on our championship show, you kept saying that you thought his best position was on the wing. Is the difference the league? Well, again, we've been watching him and we're trying to figure out, like, we're talking here. Where does he best fit? And 
what was interesting is that we're trying to think about what helps his development the most because he can defend, but he's also so dangerous going forward. So that's where the left wing back seems to be maybe a perfect fit for him. But if it's not going to be left wing back, then it's definitely going to be up front because I, I think that for someone as talented as he is around the box, I think it would be a waste to have him as a left back. So, again, we're just trying to figure out exactly where things work best for him. And when Jokanovic decided to go three at back and have him at left wing back, it just seemed to click for him. So that's the reason why I just mentioned that. Fair enough. All right, now we will head into Player Watch, where we're going to do it old school style, uh, where we're going to name a player who impressed and one who disappointed in your most recent fixture. Obviously, Steve, uh, for Tottenham, that will be the Champions League match against PSV, as their Premier League match will be played tomorrow as we record. Um, But we'll start off with you, Thomas. Uh, For Liverpool, obviously a pretty good day on the whole, but who impressed and disappointed for Liverpool? Yeah, as you say, uh, a lot of players have been impressive this week, but... um... I really like what I've seen from uh, Fabinho, both in the league game and uh, in Champions League. He uh, tackles a lot, he wins the ball, and he passes it forward more frequently than uh, our previ- previous players in that role. And that is very important if you want to if you want to play a bit uh, deeper and still have a chance to attack. Uh, his height gives us strength in the air, and that is much needed in our midfield. If he keeps on playing like this and getting more comfortable to English football, he would be a great signing for us. And um, it will be interesting to see next weekend against uh, Arsenal because they play with great speed through the midfield and Fabinho needs to be in the right place to stop Özil and uh, the other creative players from uh, threatening us. I was a bit worried about Fabinho's qualities two weeks ago, three weeks ago, but today I'm, uh, I'm feeling very happy that we signed him this summer. Uh, and the player disappointed me. I was a bit disappointed with Sadio Mane during the first half against Cardiff, but uh, then he scored twice in the second half, so it's hard to complain on that performance. If I have to choose one, I'll say uh, Adam Lalana. Uh, he's uh, absolutely not up to speed yet, but uh, he's been away for a long while with an injury, so I don't think it's fair to complain a lot about his performance. We will need him in the coming months. And uh, the most important thing for him now is to get some game time. And uh, at home to Cardiff, it's a good game to give him those minutes. So it was a disappointing performance. But uh, I can uh, can understand why Adam Lallana isn't uh, playing at his best right now. Yeah, Steve, for uh, Tottenham in that Champions League match? Well, Kevin, it's easy to point the finger at Hugo. Uh, for the red card, but uh, generally speaking, there was a lot of sloppiness in that game. A lot of sloppiness all around, especially in the defence. Uh, I think I w- it was an uncharacteristically disappointing performance by Toby. Uh, but you know, it, it, it's too ma- there are too many uh, sources of blame to, to actually just narrow it down to one player. But um, I, in terms of the encouragement, what I take from the positives of, of the game. I think what I've seen over the last few games as well is this sort of triumvirate of Son, Lamella, and Mora. Uh, Not all clicking at the same time, but at least one of them able to to raise their game Mm. to the um, uh, to to counteract whoever we happen to be playing against. And so I I take great encouragement and great um, positivity from the fact that uh, at least one, hopefully two of the three of them, if they're playing. Uh, we'll be able to raise our game. And, and Harry Winks as well. Harry Winks is, um, uh, 
as you know, a, a, a huge favorite of mine. Uh, and the fact that he's um, solidifying his return to the team after after that bad injury last season, uh, I'm very happy about. But but yeah, um, I, I would just prefer to draw a veil over the PSV game, to be honest with you, Kev. Yeah, also just a note on Harry Winks. He's been dribbling a lot more lately, like kind of a, a passing slash Dembele hybrid, which would be a very dangerous player indeed if that yeah. does continue. Um, that can only end badly. <laughs> <laughs> or with knee and hip injuries. Um, we'll come to you now, Russ. He's a great player. He's going to be, he's going to be a, a centerpiece of England's midfield going forward. Mm. <laughs> Russ, we'll come now to you uh, sure. to talk about Fulham. Who, who, who stood out for you and, and who were you a little let down by? Okay, well, first of all, it's hard to mention any player that played well against Bournemouth because it was such a poor performance. But a player that was encouraging returning would have to be Tom Kearney. Tom Kearney returned, and he is so vital to, for everything that they do. For So for the final 30 minutes, we looked like a different team when he came back in and a player that I think was going to benefit the most is Jean-Michael Serry, who uh, has really dropped off. And I think a good portion of the reason why he has dropped off in his performance is not having Kearney with him. And the fact that he returned, we just looked more fluid in a very bad performance by Fulham. He's the one that stood out. If it's okay, Kev, I have two names of players that disappointed me. I, I will say Kevin McDonald, but it's really not his fault because he just isn't built for the Premier League. It's just not his level. I would like to see him as a squad player and come in at certain situations, but when you're starting Kevin McDonald in the Premier League, you're in trouble. And I'm sorry to say that. It's a player that was my part of the season two seasons ago. He's just not good enough for the Premier League, just not his level. But the other player that I want to mention, guys, and I want your thoughts on this is why I would – Recommend everyone watching this situation with Abubakar Kamara. Here's a player that is extremely raw, has a lot of speed, and right now is not a Premier League player. But what he did against Bournemouth is something that I don't like seeing at all, and that's diving. This has to be one of the worst dives I think I've ever seen. And I don't accept that on my team. I don't like divers. I know it can benefit your team if it leads to a goal. But I'm telling you, this was a very bad dive. If you get a chance to see a view of this, you guys will agree with me. So for that reason, and that reason alone, he is a huge disappointment because there's no place for him on foam to be a diver. Sorry. Yeah, it's certainly a development that's not enjoyed in the Premier League. And, uh, you know, not to get into a whole bar conversation, but maybe that'll sort this out uh, yeah, in the coming seasons. All right, and we will wrap things up with match previews where I'll talk about each of our club's upcoming matches. It's pretty self-explanatory. Steve, as we record, of course, Tottenham have yet to play Manchester City in the Premier League. They come into this uh, match second in the league after Thomas's Liverpool. Certainly doesn't make them any less dangerous, especially with the return of Kevin De Bruyne. You mentioned earlier you aren't necessarily uh, too optimistic, but what do you think we'll see in this match? I'll tell you the craziest thing, Kev, is that if we win tomorrow night, we go above City. Uh, and I just, that doesn't, I can't get my head around that. It's a weird season. It, it really is bizarre. But City are certainly, I, I, you mentioned Kevin De Bruyne, and, and for me, Kevin De Bruyne is the key. Him and David Silva are the keys to how 
that whole Manchester City engine clicks. And and the fact that he's back and he looks uh, playing as well as he as he ever has uh, is ominous for the rest of the league. I um, I think it's going to be tricky. We're we're obviously on a confidence low as we were talking about uh, the aftermath of the PSV game. So it's going to be a big challenge. Uh, but we're at home, and we we always do tend to raise our game for um, for the bigger opposition. Uh, you know, the, the, this wonderful start to the Premier League that we've had uh, hasn't really been tested by uh, by you know the the top four or five clubs just yet. Apart from well, you can't really include Man U because they've slipped a little bit, but they're uh, they're up now with that win today against Everton. Um, they're up uh, just behind us, but uh, it's it's going to be a challenge if we um, if we can keep it to a goal uh, by halftime and we're still in the game, uh, then I'm optimistic that we can we can uh, take something from them. But on current form, um, you'd have to you'd have to be realistic and say um, uh, it, it doesn't look good. Steve, I just wanted to mention this as uh, someone that has. Uh watched Fulham play both teams and Manchester City are a juggernaut and I'm not going to lie and say yeah. that and I'm glad that you mentioned Silva and De Bruyne I, I think De Bruyne is potentially one of the best players in the league and I and I think Silva's right up there with him so I understand why you went there with all that said I think Tottenham have a very good chance of winning this match I think you match up fairly well with them you have as much talent not as much as them, but you have as much talent as pretty much everyone else in the league. Absolutely. That's been our issue all along, Russ. It's like yeah. when, when all our players are on form and they're clicking, uh, there's no one in the league that can that can beat us. Uh, and I we, totally agree with that, including Manchester City. So you just have to hope. Unfortunately for them, they don't have to be at 100%. You do. But right. if you're at 100%, you can beat them. Yeah. Yeah, all agreed there. Uh, next up, we'll talk uh, a little bit of Fulham versus Manchester City, uh, <laughs> although it will be at the Etihad, uh, Russ, as you're sure. going to face them in the Carabao Cup. Yep. Um, <laughs> I guess continue to elaborate on Manchester City. Okay, well, when Fulham played Manchester City earlier in the league at the Etihad, they just tore them apart. And partially because, I guess you could say, the naivete of uh, Savicio Ganovic just wanted to stick to how he plays at the Etihad was just a recipe for disaster. And they were lucky to keep the scoreline only 3-0, which is amazing when I think about it. So this is the way I look at it in the Carabao Cup. And uh, maybe some are going to disagree with me. Listen, we're not going to beat Manchester City. They could put out their C team, and we're not going to beat Manchester City. So if I'm Fulham, if I'm Savicio Konovic with a huge match next Monday against Huddersfield Town, Yes, the bottom teams playing against each other. I think they need to concentrate on that. That is such a huge match for the club that I would use the team that played in the Carabao Cup that played against Millwall, and that's basically an under-23 team, and play against Manchester City and give a lot of these young players basically the awakening of playing against these elite players because I'm sure Manchester City will still play some of their elite players. So that, to me, again, I'm not really concerned about the result. I would actually like to see how certain players can react at the Etihad. They actually have a 15-year-old kid that, again, we have Young, we have a player called Matt O'Reilly that, that many of the big teams want too. We have a 15-year-old that made his debut against Millwall by the name of Harvey Elliott that, that you'll be hearing about in the future as well. I would like to see him play a role 
um, at the Etihad and see how he reacts. And so for me, this really isn't about the result. I actually want to see young players play against some of the better players in the world. All right, yeah, and you may get a, a rotated squad there since, as we mentioned, they're they're playing on Monday as well. But sure. uh, uh, regardless, it should be a good experience for your young yeah. players as well. All right, and then, uh, unfortunately, Thomas, you don't get to be a part of the fun Carabao Cup hype anymore, but you will face <laughs> Arsenal at the weekend, uh, unbeaten in their last 10, of course. it was They won nine consecutive before today's draw with Crystal Palace. In, in your form, I have to imagine you're not scared of anyone, though. <laughs> no, I, I actually look forward to this game because um, Arsenal and Liverpool tend to play very entertaining games when, when they play each other. So I think this will be entertaining as well. And it's a big test for us, of course, to play away against Arsenal. They have been impressive in the past weeks. After the first two games when they lost, they've been playing really well. They create a lot of chances, but uh, I think they defend quite poor. And uh, there are a few games where they've been uh, lucky to get the points especially against uh, Leicester earlier, um, I think it was this week, when they were really lucky to have a 1-1 at half time. Of course, they played really well in the second half, but they should have been a few goals down in the first. Mm. So um, in the end, I think we are a better team, especially if, we lo- if you look at our back four. And it feels quite strange to say that uh, our strength is the back four, because <laughs> it has been the other way for about 15 years. But uh, today, I think that... Uh, Players like uh, Van Dijk and Gomez is the difference between us and uh, Arsenal. And I think we have a great chance to win this game. I was happy to see them draw today because now their run of wins has stopped before the game against us. So they don't need to talk about that before the game and under the game. So (laughs) it will be a big test, but uh, I think we have a good chance to win the game. And uh, it will be a lot of goals on... uh, on the Emirates. So I think it would be a good game for the neutral spectators to watch as well. It should be really fun watching to see who can mess up more between Mustafi and Lovren. I think that's really the, the thing I'll be <laughs> well, keeping my eye on. In yeah, well, uh, I hope that uh, Lovren can uh, watch the game from the, from the bench. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, and on that note, uh, we will wrap things up here. So if you'd like to tell the folks where they can reach you or any projects you're working on, now would be a good time. Uh, my name is Thomas Nygren. You can find me on Twitter at Thomas Nygren. I write about Liverpool for uh, LFCSV.se. Most of it is in uh, Swedish, but we have a few texts in uh, English as well. And I'm a regular at the Total Liverpool podcast. It's also in uh, Swedish, but if uh, there are any Swedes out there listening, you should really look at our uh, listen to our last podcast, who was um, released yesterday when we talked about Arsenal with the former. Goalkeeper uh, Rami Shaban spoke a lot about uh, the crazy Jens Lehmann. Uh, thanks very much for having me on again, Kevin. Uh, my name's Steve McGookin, and you can get me on Twitter at Steve McGookin. Uh, I'm also the former chairman of uh, New York Spurs at New York Spurs or NewYorkSpurs.com. And you can catch up with my non football writing at NorthernSlant.com here in Belfast. Thanks. Well, Kevin, thank you for having me back on the show. I am Russ Goldman, host of Cottage Talk, a podcast about foam. You can follow me on Twitter, Russ underscore Goldman, and also at the Twitter account for Cottage Talk, simply Cottage Talk. And uh, it's been a pleasure doing the show with you guys. 
Yeah, and I'm your host, Kevin DeVries. You can find my fantasy football writings over at ESPN and Goal.com. Of course, always check out our championship and fantasy shows when they're both up and available as well. Thanks to you guys for joining us. It was a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.